systems are a go. Confirming all systems are a go. Launching the podcast. Three, two, one. This is Hello from Mars. All right, welcome to it. What I like to call lately, at least, the wind tunnel that is upstate New York. Um, I don't know why this keeps happening. Every day the sun sets and then it's like we're instantly in in this like Kansas like wind tunnel, um, but we're not in Kansas. We're definitely in New York. Last I checked, and I almost feel like anybody who is a gambler and wants to say that climate change isn't really a thing, I will place money on this because I am very confident for the first time ever that I would actually win. <laughs> that is a gamble that I will gladly do. Uh, here's the thing: like if we had tornado sirens here in upstate New York, I actually think they'd be going off nightly. That's how crazy it's been. It's been intense. Um, so I don't know what that's all about, but it's a thing and it it needs to stop. Um, and I need to stop complaining. Let's go ahead and talk about all the stuff that has been going on this week in pop culture. J-Lo's in the news, A-Rod's in the news, the Grammys are in the news. Let's go. Tops in pop. Yeah, time for tops and pop for sure. Uh, so let's start with Drew Brees. He has been a quarterback in the NFL for the last 20 years, 15 of those years with the Saints. And um, it turns out that he is officially going to retire. And he did it in like the cutest way, this announcement on Instagram and it happened to be with his kids. Take a look at this. After 15 years in the Saints and 20 years in the NFL, our dad is finally going to retire so, so we, we can, can spend, spend more time with us. Yay! Like seriously, it cannot be any cuter. They deserve daddy. He deserves this downtime after a very successful career for sure. So congratulations to him on that announcement. Um, also the Grammy Awards, some artists wanted to boycott it. Those were also artists that weren't nominated. Uh, but let's talk about the show because a lot of really amazing things happened and it was a, it was a great night for, for black artists. It was a great night for female artists. Um, album of the year went to Taylor Swift for Folklore. Record of the year to Billie Eilish with Everything I Wanted and then Beyonce, I mean, just making some history here. She got four awards. Because of that, she now has the most awards for a female artist, that's 28 total. And then her daughter actually got her first Grammy as well because she happens to be featured on uh, Beyonce's new song. So yeah, Blue Ivy, now she's in the books. So not a bad night, I think overall. And honestly, given the, the situation that all of us had been in with the way uh, of safety protocol and stuff with COVID, they had a pretty pretty good show last night. It was very thought out and very well done. So props to the Grammys when not many people are giving them props. Um, also, J-Lo and A-Rod, very much in the news this past uh, week, you know, the last few days especially. Some big breakup rumors. Um, they have been engaged for the last two years. They've been together. It feels like forever. And part of me is like, if they can't make it, what hope is for the rest of us? Um, but in reality, like if this doesn't work out, <laughs> I mean, JLo is just building up her rock collection. Uh, she has almost as many rings as Tom Brady, really. And but hey, don't be fooled by the rocks that she got because there might be more to come. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that this is one of those situations. I, we, don't, we don't have the full story. They're both saying that they're working on this. So who knows? Every relationship, it, it involves work. 
right? It doesn't just happen. So I, I'm going to let them have a pass for this one. And uh, it could just be some like crazy media headlines that somebody decided to feed out there that really has nothing to do with anything and that they're just perfectly fine. We'll find out. And who knows, she might have another engagement popping up sometime soon. Uh, that being said, also big news and big week for Megan and Harry with this Oprah interview. That is leading me to this week's guests. Um, I have Gretchen and Sarah popping up here in just a minute. We're going to talk all about this royal interview because I was on the hunt for two royally obsessed people that could kind of explain the phenomenon that is just the royal stuff. Because I mean, it's never really made all that much sense to me, but I guess because I love pop culture, it should make sense because it's kind of the same. Uh, but 17.1 million people tuned in to the initial airing of this interview. So I've got Gretchen who was passed along through a Twitter friend of her royal obsession and then my friend Sarah from high school Sue. So uh, yeah, she's, she's just as obsessed. So let's check out what they have to say about this interview and uh, all their feelings. Here you go. I wanna hear from both of you and, and Gretchen, we'll start with you with just what had you so interested in the royal family to begin with? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a history buff. I, I love, I love history. Um, and I, I also, I think there was something at a young age where I like made the connection that princesses and Queens and Kings, like they existed in the real world and they weren't what does like what I saw in Disney movies. And it fascinated me <laughs> like realizing that there was this real life Royal family and it was messy and, complicated and kind of amazing um I was just like from from a pretty young age I I've I believe I should have been born in the UK like I, I love the UK I visited you realize uh, there was much more involved than just a glass slipper <laughs> right oh my gosh yeah and and especially like now as an adult I can um you know appreciate the the work that they do um to you know further mental health causes and all that but um I think it was that realization that, oh my gosh, princes and princesses like exist outside of Disney movies. That's really cool. All right, cool. So and Sarah, sometimes well, really what's, messy. The, what's, what's the situation for you? What got you interested in this? Um, well, unfortunately, I think it was Diana's death. Um, I wasn't really aware of it too much beforehand. Um, but I remember very distinctly where I was when she died, when we found out that she was killed. And then I was kind of super, I don't want to, it sounds kind of morbid to say, but I was like super into the fanfare and the process of what happens next and how it got to that point with her. And it was very interesting and not at all like you grow up thinking it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to look at this, especially just because of this interview and everything. It's Disney, but with an M. Night Shyamalan twist. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's a dark side of Disney. You know, it's it's crazy. So, you know, looking at this interview, you know, first of all, it was an unpaid situation. You know, they didn't have anything to promote. There, I mean, it was really. It was just kind of like an anything goes situation. Do you guys think that this needed to happen? Do you think this interview was something that really needed to, to be out to the world? Um, what, what are your feelings? Sarah, we'll start with you. I think it did. I 
was getting really annoyed on Twitter and Facebook when people are like, they're attention seeking, they're doing this for their own benefit and that no one needed to hear this. And um, I totally disagree. I think that, I, I think being over in America, we're sheltered from a lot of what went on with them over in the UK and the, the tabloids and the media. And so much was said and so much was wrong that I think it's only human nature for them to be like, okay, guys, hold on. This is what actually was happening. This is what we were living. And it needed to be out there. People had such a wrong perception of who they were. And I was one of them. I, yeah. I, went, I went into that interview like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think she's a nice person. Like I bought into... The narrative we were being fed right and then after the interview I was like oh no like I couldn't believe like this is and I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle between yeah. both stories as with anything but even if what a fraction of what they were saying is accurate from their point of view then oh my gosh yeah and I think it absolutely needed to be out there like we are not the villains who are like peace out family, we're gone. They took all of these steps and it just came to that. Yeah. And I think that's very, I I think that was kind of evident even with the narrative that the media painted, but I know Gretchen, I see you shaking your head a lot. You're agreeing with a lot of those points that Sarah was, was making. I mean, how, how did you feel about the interview? Well, I think it was necessary, you know, and I saw a lot of comparisons to the Princess Diana interview in 95, um, where she was pretty open and candid and hadn't prepped like the Buckingham Palace didn't know it was happening until it aired, basically. Um, And that was the only way where she could like come out and say her truth, uh, basically. But I I knew a lot of like I had seen a lot of the, the side by side comparisons of coverage of Kate and Megan. And so I kind of knew already that there was some, she was being demonized in the UK press, especially. Um, but I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty, I consider myself pretty like well read up on Royal family stuff. And there were still points in this interview where I was like, Oh my God, I had the information wrong. Oh my God. I didn't think like, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know that was the case. Um, and we can get into those later, but um, yeah. I think it was absolutely necessary. And, and I also think it was necessary that it was done by an American reporter. Um, I think that's better that, than Oprah. I mean, let's I mean, honestly, I, so many people, <laughs> so many people this week are oh like, gosh. Oh my God, Oprah's so good at her job. And everyone who's like around in the nineties and saw her doing her job in the nineties, like, well, duh. Like, yeah. Oprah's good at interviewing. <laughs> like, I like every once in a while. She was like, what? Like even Oprah know? was caught off guard. Yeah. It's mind blowing. Yeah. There yeah. were, there were instances where they made a statement and you, they, you know, shot to Oprah and she was just like, oh my God, what do I do with this? Like, yeah. <laughs> Right. Like, obviously they go in completely prepped for these questions and they, they know where they want to take the interview and they know what they want to get and at least the hopes of it. But, you know, at times it's like, wait a minute, I got another question. That's not on my sheet. Hold on. (laughs) Yeah. I think there were a couple of instances where she, you could see her clock something that they said and she didn't follow up right away. She waited like two or three minutes to finish that like arc of the conversation to then follow up. Like um, when Harry mentioned that 
Charles and Charles wasn't taking his calls. She like, you could see her clock it and was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow up right now, but I am going to ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go save that for a second. That's my little nugget. Yeah, no, I totally, I agree with that. So just looking at this interview, let's just start here with, with them as a couple, because there's been a lot of speculation of like, Harry's just whipped and like Megan is the one that's running the show and he'll just do whatever she says. To me, I saw it like a genuine love connection that they were just two people who obviously from different walks of life in a way, in a very celebrity driven lifestyle who just their lives connected and they seem to be very supportive of each other and and all of that what are your feelings i mean I, both just go ahead and you can talk freely you know if somebody says whatever but but what what are your feelings i think i saw a i saw in harry a lot more um like he had an active hand in what happened last year with them stepping away Um, I think I came away from this interview realizing that she like Megan would have done anything to conform to what the Royal family wanted of a wife of Harry. She, she was willing to bend over backwards, um, to do what was necessary for her to be accepted as his wife. And Harry was the one who said, no, I'm putting my foot down and, you know, whatever the consequences may be, I'm doing this for my family. Um, like he had a lot more agency than I think people have been giving him credit for up till now. Yeah. Sarah, I feel like, would you, would you do that? If Sean were Harry, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Would you be the one to just throw everything else away, career, family, America, and just do whatever? Well, what a loaded question. I know. I don't want to get in the doghouse here. But I mean, I mean right yes, of course I would. Of course I would. Um, I loved when Harry joined the conversation and watching the two of them interact. You could just, I feel like the respect they have for each other, the support they have for each other was palpable. And mm. he was so supportive um what's the word I'm looking for he was so um defensive but not in a negative way um that this was what he was going to do for his family and I loved when he said that they met and their worlds collided in the best way I Mm. thought that was so sweet and you could tell that it was not easy for them to get where they are but they were willing to do the hard work they were willing to make the steps, take the steps necessary to do what's best for them. And I, I walked away with more respect for the two of them as a couple and how they treated each other because it was so blatantly sold that Megan was whipping him around. And, um, at one point, I think even Oprah was like, everyone is saying like, this was the grand plan from the beginning. And, and, um, but it was heartening for me to know because of everything that they've been through, like what I think matters, but (laughs) after everything they've been through that they so clearly have the love and respect um, for each other that they need to, to get through all of this. Yeah. I think that's, it's very important because, you know, we, we were just touching on this a little bit before we got started and like, 
just think of everybody's mental health this last year and everything that yeah. we were all dealing with and, and how, how much of a struggle that is. But imagine all the headlines that then are coming out about Megan that could have been about any of us and how they're being skewed and twisted in the in the media. And, you know, Gretchen, you had mentioned a second ago about how, you know, the royal family and, and the mental health stuff that they do. Was this then shocking to you to see how this was twisted and, and how prevalent they were in mental health, but then it seems like then had a hand in almost trying to destroy hers. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that has stuck with me since watching the interview the first time is that um, like, it's, it's not that I'm like, I feel betrayed. Cause that's like, that would be a bizarre statement. Cause I have no personal like investment in, you know, but like, it does feel a, a, like a bit of betrayal that um, at least we know will and Charles and, you know, the, the firm, they had a hand in saying, we acknowledge that you are, are dealing with suicidal ideation and we're not, we're, we're, we're not going to allow you to get any help. And then at the same exact time, like if, if you're thinking about the timeline of these events, when Megan is at the darkest point in her depression um, and wanting to end her own life, William and Kate are also going out with the, the heads up or the heads. Yeah. The heads up a campaign. Heads first campaign, their mental You're health. You know campaign. better than I do. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to be flat out first, with you, okay? It's either heads <laughs> first or heads up. Uh, I don't have my notes in front of me, but um, they are at the same time having this massive push, linking arms with Harry, pushing their mental health initiative at the same exact time in the timeline of when, as when Megan is most desperate for help and is being told no. That, that's really, it's disappointing to me. It yeah. is. Um, so, so let's, let's talk about this then. I mean, Oprah, I loved how she, she said to Megan, she's like, so do you feel like that you were, you were silent or silenced? Um, I loved that play on words. And I, I, you know, she said the latter, she felt like she was silenced. Um, and then obviously inside she's screaming for this help that, you know, she was telling people at least within the royal family or whatever, but then was not allowed to get that help. Do you, we'll, we'll start with Sarah here. Do you feel like all of this, the headlines, the, the not helping, the, you know, taking away protection and everything with Archie and, and stripping of, you know, prince titles and, and whatever, do we feel like this is all coming back to race? I know loaded questions. I just keep throwing them at you. <laughs> Eventually we'll get the lobbing of the softball, but I don't know. <laughs> um, I think that would make sense as an assumption. I don't know that I can specifically with authority say, yes, of course it does. Um, I think you can easily connect the dots. That seems to be the um, variable I guess from everything else that was the norm in the family and certainly the statements that they made um regarding the changes that were proposed or were were instituted surrounding all of that in terms of like the media um I think that that certainly came into play. I think that the media was very, um, this is our royal family and here comes this outsider. And not only is she an outsider, 
she has, um, she's half black and, you know, there were just a lot of factors that probably went into that. But from my perspective, from my point of view, they stated in their interview that it, there was, that race did come into play with it, that it was racially charged. And my reaction is, okay, it, I believe you because I mean, who am I to not, they lived it and, and it's, it's their story. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Gretchen, what are your feelings? Um, you know, I, I do think race played a prevalent part in, in this whole like Harry and Meghan saga, because while, while people in America were kind of like, oh my God, that's, this is awesome. An American, um, you know, uh, she, she, like she said, she was financially independent, you know, um, successful, happy with her. And then she did the wrong thing and stepped in the wrong, you know, put her hands in the wrong pot. So to like, in the eyes of the Royal family and fell in love with Harry. Um, And then you do see, I mean, there's, so much. And they only, they only kind of put snapshots of a few headlines that were, that were surrounding the wedding. And then when Archie was born that were very racially charged in just the headlines, not even talking about the articles or even, you know, coverage with people like Pierce Morgan and and, uh, other individuals in, Oh my goodness. Good riddance. Like, honestly. (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) And, um, I, I do think there was, uh, well, the UK just has, the UK has a race problem, same as America does. And, uh, you know, they just, uh, they made an empire out of their race problem. And, uh, you know, we yeah. almost did, but we got we, rid of that. So anyway, listen, we, uh, we've tried, we've tried a few <laughs> times, never as successful as the British though. <laughs> so from, from when, when Harry had joined the interview, and, and Sarah, you know, you had mentioned that this was a big part of the reason that it sparked your interest in the first place, as unfortunate as it was, but it was when his mom uh, had been killed in the, the car crash, Princess Diana. Um, so he had the concern of history repeating itself. Looking at everything that we know, do you think he's right in that concern? I do. I think that, um, I mean, it might not have been... Um, ending in a death. I mean, Lord knows, hopefully it wouldn't have, but in terms of destroying people's lives, in terms of just the chaos of it all, um, it absolutely, I think it was there in terms of destroying, obviously in terms of destroying people's lives. And I can't even imagine what runs through his mind when he sees all of this happen. And it brings up everything that went down with his mother and even just the Royals attitudes surrounding her and the divorce in and of itself and how that just escalated. And it absolutely could have reached that level. And I'm, I really respect him for saying, okay, this is not happening again. This is, I have some control over this situation and I'm drawing the line. This isn't happening again. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, it is scary to think of what could have happened had they not walked away, especially at the time that they did, because it seemed to just keep intensifying. Yeah. Um, So I already know 
just based on our conversation so far, how both of you feel when it comes to their relationship and the things that they stated. And because they did to me seem, they came across very genuine and very caring and very loving and supportive of each other. And that this was not a situation of like, he's whipped, I'm just going to do whatever she says or vice versa or whatever. Um, so now I guess my question for both of you, and we'll start with Gretchen here for this one, but what what do we do moving forward? Do you what do you see for them moving forward? Are they? I mean, they've kind of the the royal family has reacted. They've reacted rather negatively towards the interview. Obviously, we saw what happened with Pierce Morgan. He can go ahead and he can walk off a cliff for all I care. But mm-hmm. what do we see moving forward with this? Are they ever going to be welcomed down the line again with with their family and as a whole back to the royal community, or or is this is this the life that they're going to live now? Um, you know, I think that on a personal like family level, um, it sounds as if Harry is attempting to build bridges with who he can. Um, you know, they're speaking to the queen uh, right, pretty regularly, it sounds like. And it sounds like he and Prince Charles are at least back on speaking terms. Um, as far as William, and I, I have a theory on you know, why he's still not talking to William. Uh, that's, you know, a bunch of people have, but, you know, I, I think he's, Harry's attempting to make bridges where he can. And I think that's just going to, it's going to take a lot, a, a long time with the kind of hurt that his wife and him and his son, you know, were put through. Uh, I think it's going to take a long time. I, I do think that this opens up a question for the British people about, uh, you know, in 2021, do the British people need a monarchy? Like it is after Elizabeth II dies, is it time to abolish the monarchy? And that has become a, a, a hot button topic online in the last week. I mean, there's been a group of people pushing that for, well, let's be honest, centuries. Um, <laughs> right, but right. <laughs> uh, I think after this, after this, um, this interview and more widespread uh, understanding of the difference between a family, you know, the, the Windsors mm-hmm. and the firm. Um, I think people are starting to understand the difference and why that creates toxicity. I, I do think there's, there's a wider conversation to be had in the United Kingdom about abolishing the monarchy. Yeah. You know, a lot more than I do. That is very clear. Uh, do we want to guess baby names here? We got another baby on the way. We now know it's a girl. I Sarah, Diana, you know what? I'm going to start with Sarah here. I'm going to, you know why? You know why? You're the baby so namer. That's why. And you now have a girl. So I'm glad. Are you having a girl again? Uh, we don't know. You don't know. You're leaving it that way. Yep. Okay. I mean, until it's born. Well, obviously, obviously. <laughs> or maybe it'll be one of those parents that you decide you let them decide. Uh, whatever the case might be, um, you've had so many children. I, I must know what, what, uh, yeah, what, as the what professional baby namer in, <laughs> yeah. in the group. <laughs> um, I hope that Diana is involved somehow. Yes. Um, yes. I, I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, William and Kate's kids have like five names. I don't remember if with Charlotte, Diana's involved at all. I don't think so. Okay. I don't, I think, well, I think someone, talking, I'll do a she's got one, one of her names is from <laughs> Diana's family, but Diana's oh, not right. there. Okay. Right. So I would love to see Diana involved beyond that. It, 
I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Google's not very helpful. Um, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, so what do you think in Gretchen? Uh, so I do think, I think Diana might be uh, involved in the middle naming. I don't yeah. think the baby's name will be Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's like, well, and also at this point, they're no longer a part of the, a part of the Royal family. So do they need to stick with tradition and name it something, um, you know, with like with monarchy ties or can they name it blossom? I don't know. Like, (laughs) you know, you know, (laughs) can they go full LA and name the baby, you know, apple? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Or apple blossom. Right. Apple blossom. Adorable. Uh, Maybe we'll turn into a bath and body fragrance. Just like, you know, you know, (laughs) yeah so I do think I do think probably Diana will play a part in whether it's Diana's name or a name from the Spencer family will play a part in like middle names probably nice very nice well uh, I just want to end this just reiterating something that Megan said within the interview it's going to bring us right back to the beginning with the description of all the Disney stuff but she felt like she was in the Little Mermaid you know she was that princess had her voice taken away. And now I loved are, that analogy. I know getting mm. it back. It, it was just perfection. Yeah. And when she said it, the way her face lit up, I'm like, mm, I'm not crying. You're crying. I know you can oh. tell that it was really impactful for her just to, to see herself in that situation. And like, I'm not letting it stifle me. I'm, I'm right to be a little overdramatic about it. I'm rising above it. I'm saving myself. I'm saving my family. And I don't know. I just, I wanted to just give them both the big hug. At the oh, end. I wanted to bear hug them so hard. <laughs> I want to bear hug both of you. I mean, yeah. so Sarah, I will, uh, I'll see you at the reunion this July. Um, I don't even want to talk about how many years it's been, but uh, I also may need some help leading into that. Like, what should I wear? Should I do something to my hair? Like, I don't even know. Um, if you want to pass along some some info of some suggestions, <laughs> like feel free. Um, also thinking that might turn into a podcast episode later on in the summer. So watch out for that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. This popped up and went viral like about a week or so ago. But this girl in New York City, she realized in her bathroom in her apartment, there was like this cool breeze of air. And she's like, where is that coming from? And this video is insane. So basically she ends up removing the mirror in her bathroom and there's a hole there and it leads to a whole other apartment. Like for real, (laughs) it is nutty. And I just, I feel like if I saw this, I would instantly be like, "Mm, so my rent needs to be cut like more than in half because this is creepy AF. But uh, just Listen to a little bit of her experience. If you're watching this on YouTube, I will include the video as well right now because it is just insane. And the air is coming from the mirror. Okay, and I realize the mirror moves. Just the electrical. Oh, no, no, no. There's a room back there. Okay, John, stay right here. You're in the other side of the dimension. (laughs) John, there's trash bags. So I was reading some of the comments that were involved in this <laughs> and, and there were some people going, 
this is like some crazy white girl thing. Like, it, and it is, and I will say this flat off because I am a crazy white girl apparently, but uh, like nobody else would investigate that. Nobody else would go through that hole in the wall to see what was up. But I don't know. I Like I, I probably would have, to be honest, like, I want to see what's over there. And I want to like figure out, like, if I have to call them, I'll bring my cell phone with me. <laughs> I'll, she brought a weapon. Like she had something to protect her, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do that crazy white girl shit. Uh, I like, I will gladly go through that hole in that wall to find out what the heck is on the other side. So I can, I can get things situated. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that rent needs to be cut in half or more. I mean, cause that, that's that that's apparently a thing like there's a whole horror movie that's based on that um so just know that if you are living in a big city apartment or or whatever you feel a breeze in your bathroom or in your bedroom you better investigate because you don't know what the heck is happening behind there <laughs> uh, that being said guys that is it for this week's episode of hello from mars i hope you have a fantastic week keep safe more is coming next week right here. So make sure you're subscribed and stuff so you don't miss anything. Hit the subscribe button. Do it now. Do it right right now. Stop interrupting me. Do it now. Oh, hey.